Hello and welcome back to Pharmacist Diaries, the podcast that reveals the secret lives of pharmacists from where their journeys began, where they are now and everything in between. I am your host Anisha Patel and on today's episode I am delighted to introduce Martin Egeridu. Martin is a passionate, positive and motivated pharmacist with big dreams. He graduated from Medway School of Pharmacy in 2015 and started his pharmacy career as a community pharmacist with Lloyd's Pharmacy. He was promoted to pharmacy manager within one year of qualifying, an achievement I believe he definitely deserves. He is clearly passionate about his career and demonstrates great leadership qualities at such a young age. Martin provides us with insider tips and advice for achieving your professional goals. It's a great episode for pharmacy students and newly qualified pharmacists. He has recently embarked on a new journey as a primary care network pharmacist, which he has been enjoying thoroughly so far. I will be recording a second episode with him to find out how he transitioned into this role. So watch this space. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. Yeah, cool. So I guess we should kind of kickstart the podcast and and you can tell us why you started pharmacy in the first place. Sure. So I, it, one of the reasons why um, I became a pharmacist is the fact that when I was quite young, so between the ages of five and ten, um, my younger and brother, my younger brother and I used to be sick quite regularly. So we were always unwell, and when you're always unwell, your parents take you to see the doctor. So we had to go to see, we went to see the doctor, and then we after getting our prescription from the doctor. Because, you know, back then, it, there was no electronic prescription service. It was, you go see the doctor, he provides you with the green script, and then you go and see the pharmacist. So when we used to go into the pharmacy, because we was there quite regularly, um, the pharmacist was always nice to us, and it wasn't an independent. I'm not a big product. It wasn't a chain. It was an independent. And in those, in, back in those days, the independents, you tend to see, they have so many sweets and so many treats, and as well as other medication. Um, so when we used to go in there, because he recognised us, he used to always give me and my brother sweets, all the time. And it's not the fact that he used to stay at the back in his hatch, he used to come round, speak to my mother, and then speak to me and my younger brother. And I feel because I had that connection with the pharmacist there, as an individual growing up, and it just made me realise that I want to be a pharmacist, I want to work in the same field just like that gentleman over there who used to always give me sweets. And I want to be looked after and taken care of just the way he was doing it towards me. And growing up in life, you know, as I started to get better, my immune response was much stronger. Um, I used to always go back and check on him. And I could see as I was getting better, he was, I wouldn't say he was getting sick, but he started to deteriorate in, health, maybe because of age. And after then, you know, speaking to him, visiting regularly, conducting work experience with him, it just kind of motivated me and convinced me to be a pharmacist. And that's the reason why I became a pharmacist. What a nice little story, quite a personal one, because a lot of people um, tend to, um, you know, do it because they originally wanted to pursue medicine. And then realized that actually pharmacy was more suited to their skill set, their personality and or, you know, parents have, you know, encouraged students to kind of go into pharmacy because it is obviously 
a really good profession. And um, so it's really nice to hear a personal story. I like that. Um, and did your brother pursue pharmacy as well? No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think he would, but he I just thought no, maybe. He's, uh, you could say out of my brother and I, he's the wild one. So, uh, oh, is he? He is, yeah. But he did crack well for himself. He's an engineer for BP. So Amazing. It's not that bad, to be fair. So, right. So, yeah, I mean, touching back, I mean, which is, you know, there was, you know, I know students, I know some of my friends who pursued a career in pharmacy because it was either the easiest thing to do, um, their parents told them to do it, or um, because they couldn't get into medicine. But with me, it was much different. And I always knew from, I mean, if you ask my closest friends growing up I always knew from primary well even secondary school that I wanted to be a pharmacist um it wasn't a degree that I chose on UCAS you know in sixth form it was pretty much from the beginning I knew I wanted to be a pharmacist so um that's why I am one now and I wouldn't change it for the world nice and I believe when you were younger and before you, I guess maybe before you started pharmacy or maybe during pharmacy school, you started working at Boots. Yes, so I started working in, at Boots at the counter. Um, I believe what they, they called me. I was a healthcare assistant, so I had the book I had to do. So I did. I conducted every Saturdays. I used to work there. So my OTC knowledge was really good back then, even before I entered um, university, because. I think that really strengthened my knowledge once I hit first year. So I just hit the ground running. And I remember I have a very good friend of mine and it's, he's my friend to this day. His name's Kevin. And he used to go, wow, how do you know so much? How do you know so much? I just said, it just comes from working from boots, which is just working on the counter, you know, using the, knowing the wine questions off my head, the interactions, who shouldn't take the medication and why they shouldn't take it. And in a way that, enabled me to build the confidence during first year of uni to answer questions and not be shy and not be the silent one when you know lecturers are asking their students their questions so it really helped me in my career and that gave me the stepping stool to be in a position that I'm in now yeah completely I did the same when I was um in university and it made the pre-reg exam so much easier because my knowledge of OTC was, I mean, it was on point. It was so good. Yeah, it was so easy to do those OTC questions for me because you are just doing it every week for years. And I mean, my parents also owned a pharmacy for like 20 years. So I did kind of grow up in that environment. Um but definitely the weekend working and taking responsibility on the healthcare counter and advising patients was a huge benefit. And even applying the knowledge from the university degree into my workplace. And you've, you've say that your workplace helped you to be more confident answering questions. Um, well, I felt, you know, it was the other way around that all the things I learned at university were then also applicable in my weekend job, which was really nice. Exactly. It does help a great deal. So, you know, I always like to say if anyone is listening to this now, especially a pharmacy student, um, whether you've started the MPharm course or you're about to start, at, like it is imperative, I'd say to you, um, get that work experience in the pharmacy. It really helps and it makes a great deal to your study. I completely agree. And it is quite hard these days to find placements, um, 
at times. And I think students are a little bit deterred from, I guess, going and working because it doesn't really apply to the whole Oriel application. I've discussed this before yeah. um, on the podcast because you don't need that experience in order to go through the Oriel process anymore. Obviously, it's going to be good for you as a professional to have that experience. And when you do interview for future jobs, you've got so much to talk about compared to your peers. Um, but in order to get a pre-reg place, yeah, you don't necessarily require all of those placements and summer jobs and weekend jobs in order to, I guess, be on side with your, with your peers. Yeah. Which is a bit surprising um, that oil doesn't, it doesn't, it's not applicable to oil. However, um, you tend to realize even if you go through the oil process and, you know, pass that pre, gain a pre reg place, pass that pre reg exam, and you're sitting there in the interview room with whether it's the general manager at Boots, the pharmacy manager at Lloyd's, the pharmacist at um, an independent, or another pharmacy manager at World Pharmacy. Because you've undertook that work experience and they could see that in you and they will test your clinical knowledge. And believe it or not, employers can tell if an individual is book smart and hasn't had an experience at all or they know what they're talking about. Because in my previous position as pharmacy manager, I could tell someone who's actually had the work experience. So although Oriel doesn't give individuals or doesn't test people on their experience just realize that later on after that process when you become a pharmacist it will help a great deal i completely agree so yeah go out there and get the experience and plus going out there even to do unpaid internships and work experience is really useful for your learning because you start figuring out what areas of pharmacy that you enjoy and what you might be passionate about when you do get to the point where you need to apply to your pre-reg year because now there are so many options available. All these split placements and, you know, hospitals with CCGs or GP practices with hospitals, you know, going into split industry and hospital or community pharmacy. There are so many options now that you kind of need to know where you're going to fit in and make the most of those opportunities once you get there knowing that you enjoy that aspect of pharmacy from an early stage exactly and it will enhance your clinical skills dramatically it really will especially if you're in a field that you like you enjoy and most importantly you're applying the knowledge you learned from university because that's the key thing i believe some pharmacists or even some pharmacy students tend to say all the clinical knowledge I've learned, you know, in university or during pre-reg, you know, I can't apply it. But if you do go out there and gain that work experience, you will realise that once you're doing that work experience, once you're studying, it will go hand in hand and everything will come easy to you and it will just flow perfectly instead of struggling. Yeah. I, I mean, my communication skills really improved working in community pharmacy when I was in university and even consultation skills, OSCEs and, you know, 
those kind of exams where you need that confidence in talking to patients, you know, the wham question. So when you have that OSCE, you know, station, which is a normal kind of OTC counseling, it's so easy and you get all your good bonus points when you can do something naturally. And it's just part and parcel of who you are now because you do it all the time, you know, when you're working. So it definitely does make a difference. And I mean, personally, I felt that I really liked community pharmacy, but there was something about it that was that was missing. And I wanted to try hospital pharmacy because I really liked the variety of kind of going to different ward areas and different specialties and utilizing my clinical knowledge on a regular basis with the medical team and the nurses and kind of working with multiple healthcare professionals. Now, obviously you do this in community pharmacy, but you're doing it a lot over the phone. And I really like face-to-face working. And now things are a bit different and I have to get used to it. But, um, you know, even now we're going to be teaching at the university all through Microsoft Teams and Zoom and things. So I have to get used to changing, I guess, the way that I am because of online teaching. And I I'm still a bit nervous about it because I really love the face-to-face interaction and I'm one of those people who always walks around the lecture theater and kind of yeah goes to talk to people individually and kind of get people involved so I'm going to miss that but I'm going to have to find a way to work around it so let's see what happens of course I wish all my lecturers walked around and spoke to us um (laughs) but most of the time if they were walking around it was probably to tell us to stop talking or maybe to um wake up if one or two. <laughs> well, I, I, I do wake up my students if they're falling asleep, <laughs> but kindly. Um, and I'll tease them about it. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, if, you, if you're going to fall asleep and not listen, then that's on you. Uh, you're the one who's not going to learn. And, um, you know, that's up to you as a professional, because when you start university, you do, you are a professional. And I guess from that perspective, you have to take responsibility for your own learning. So, you know, it, it might be, something uh, I don't know non-school related that's causing them to be really tired and you can't just judge people for falling asleep but um you know it is what it is it and is. I try to work around it and tease them about it to wake up wake up but I don't get annoyed yeah, because I don't really see the point see that's what I like I like the fact that I mean I think it would have been a very good lecturer for myself and the rest of the students um because I think that's the key thing as being a lecturer which is not getting frustrated at the students because although we are young adults sometimes we not to make excuses for our faults but sometimes being young being someone who's studying around the clock it sometimes can be a bit much especially when it's the first time you've left home you know you're meeting new friends you know it can be a bit daunting but the fact that we have a solid lecturer who walks around talks to us teases us it it, it makes us feel not us but it would make me feel welcomed and happy to be there and in a way it make me more attentive, attentive, i.e. not sleep in a lecture. So I think that the way you go about teaching your students, I think it's the best way possible because it enables them to connect with you and yeah. learn and do what Yeah, yeah. I, that connection and being approachable is kind of my number one mission when I'm in the classroom because for me, I want people to be able to speak up. I want them to be able to ask questions and feel comfortable around me to be honest and open about what they think or what they feel or what their opinion is. I want people to be opinionated. And I, I think that helps with your confidence building and especially for first years because you do find that a lot of people are relatively shy and you, you might not be able to speak up in front of 120 people. 
that was me actually as a student, if I think about it. I didn't really speak up too much in the beginning, but I did grow into talking quite a lot um, during our kind of workshops. But when I was at university, there was only about 40 students in our in our year group because we were the first cohort at the university for the pharmacy um, school that I went to in okay. Hertfordshire. Okay. So our group was so small. It was, it was very personal. So you, you could easily kind of, you knew everybody by name and you knew everything about them, to be honest. Um, and we had quite a lot of mature students and I was one of them. So um, it was quite nice to kind of get to know each other on that real personal level, which our first year students, you know, there's well over a hundred. It's, mm. it's difficult for them. Mm. And yeah, I think, yeah, I, I hope that I can, I hope that my tactics and my, my personality i guess um helps them so thanks for that feedback it's good to kind of reflect on what you think because you're obviously much younger than me no i'm just teasing but you know i, I th yeah i mean i completely agree with all of that it does make sense and um yeah, let's let's see how what kind of feedback I get this year when when I start teaching online. <laughs> it's going to be different. So you went to um, Medway for university. I did. Yes. How was that? Is that is that where where you live, or that's completely far away from home? So yeah, Medway School Pharmacy um, University, which incorporates both the university in Kent, university in Greenwich, um, in Kent, uh, Medway campus. And it is a bit far from where I lived. So I live in London, South East London to be exact. Um, so like everyone else, I moved to student halls. And then after that, went and found a house with some of my friends. Um, it was all a bit new to me because that was the first time I had moved out. And that was the first time I actually lived in an area like Medway Kent. Because you tend to see... When you're, when you're from London, it's like a very, very busy environment, you know, um, and you have everything you need. You have the underground, you have the trains, you have the buses. I mean, you even have the night buses. So you're never stranded and you're, and you're ready and you have a lot of cabs available. So it's like when you're in a city and then you kind of move, you could say to the suburbs, it's a bit of a change because you tend to realize a lot of places you think would be open are not open. So, for example, if I was hungry late at night and I wanted to go to the chippy um, or just go to the corner shop and get some milk, you tend to realise that in Kent, Medway area, which is kind of a suburban area, everybody everywhere is closed by at least nine o'clock, whereas back at home, you know, you've got places open to about 11 o'clock, i.e. Tesco Express. Um, so it was new to me. Uh, the university, I can't fault it. To be honest with you, I personally feel the teaching there was fantastic. They really drilled us, drilled it into us that we need to know our calculations and we need to know our clinical skills. So from first year all the way to fourth year, we did calculations. And calculations was a module you had to pass to move on to the following year. Um, and if you did not pass, you know, I'm, I'm guessing, as you know, from teaching students or having other colleagues who teach in that environment, if you don't pass your calculations, regardless if you've got first class in all the other modules, 
um, you have a reset. And if you fail the calculations again, um, unfortunately, um, you'll be asked to leave the university in a polite way, obviously. Similar to the pre-reg exam, if you fail it three times, you can no longer become a pharmacist. So, and, and another fact is we had a fantastic lecturer that taught us calculations. Um, she was the best, can't fault her. Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say names on the podcast. Am I allowed to say names? Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, so I had a, two fantastic lecturers who taught me maths. First of all, it was Mr. Andrew Lee, fantastic. Um, I believe he's the senior lecturer in pharmacy practice. Then we had Dr. Branch, fantastic. She used to teach calculations throughout the whole four years. And one thing I loved about Medway, I would say 90% of the lecturers had an open door policy. So if you had any issues, you can go and see them. Whether that was your tutor or just a lecturer who was teaching a certain module and, you tend, and you're struggling. At. So, I mean, maths in the beginning was not my forte. I was very weak at maths. Couple of my friends would tell you this, but then as the years went on, my math skills improved. They were strong to the point where I was even tutoring um, students with math. So it just goes to show something that can be your weakness can eventually become your strength. And then throughout my years at Medway, I studied, I worked hard, I made great friends, even up to now good friends, you know, people I call my brothers, people I call my sisters, and like I said, I have no regrets going to Medway School and Pharmacy because I really feel they did well to try and prepare their students for the pre-reg exam, even to the point where when we were in pre-reg, the university used to have um, pre-reg study days. So about three or four times in a year, we would have a pre-reg study day, go there, stay in a hotel, and just have let clinical lectures and calculation lectures, and then they will be checking up on us throughout the whole year. So we did have that support from year one to the point of when we registered as a pharmacist on the register. Nice. Sounds like you had a really good experience, and and also you did a, kind of a lot of other things within your university time. So you were student ambassador, and also the treasurer of the pharmacy student association. So what kind of led you to getting involved with um, these elements of university life? Um, well, I've always been the type of individual, and my mum, because I come from a single parent home, um, and my mum has always, um, she has enforced the fact that although you are studying, you do have to have extracurricular activities. I don't see it as a chore, but see it as a way to release some stress. But while you're releasing stress, you're doing something very productive with yourself. And because I saw getting involved with the student life, the student community as something I really wanted to do, um, I ran for the position of Medway School Pharmacy's treasurer position, in which I won, luckily. And then I was a student ambassador for the University of Kent, which is, you know, on the study days, we help out, um, we give talks, or we, uh, you know, take the students around. And any questions they may have, we were very happy to answer them. So it wasn't just in university that I was doing that. I was also doing it on a college level. So, in, you know, because uh, I went to Quinn College, I was, you know, the student president there. Um, and I was, you know, and I was a, like a college governor. I so we had the board of governors at some colleges do, 
and they always elect a student to come and sit with them and pass on that student experience. So I, my role was more or less to bridge the gap between students and the hierarchy of the university because you tend to see that's missing and then they always wonder why maybe the university, I mean the college or so is failing, not that it was, or why, um, why, why, you know, why, why do we not have that connection? What are we lacking? So, I mean, just to summarize, it was just something I like to do. I'm very, I'm very people orientated, and it goes into the way I practice as well in you know community pharmacy. I don't just give the bag to my counter assistant and say give it out. I go out and I speak to the patient, know how they're getting on because that's just me as an individual. And hence why I got involved with activities like that on a college and university level. Nice. I'm loving that. I'm seeing, you know, the young leader in you, Martin. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's good. (laughs) It's really good to get involved with all these types of things because you don't realize how many skills that you learn. Mm -hmm. And also you're identifying who you are. There are lots of things that you kind of talk about. So, you know, just getting involved with you know, representing, you know, the student body and kind of helping out other students when they have kind of questions and concerns, showing them around the university, kind of getting involved with at college level. And that's really exciting. You clearly kind of show some interest in leadership and in education as well. That's quite an early stage in your career. Definitely. I mean... I'm feeling it, Martin. I'm feeling it. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you have to because... I feel we all have our roles to play. And um, I, I would also, it also stems back because, you know, it was me, my younger brother, and my mum. I feel I kind of had to step up early in my life because my mum was always working. So though she didn't have the best of jobs, she made sure my brother and I had the best of things in life. Even to the point where I remember when we were primary school, I, you know, my mum bought me a Game Boy Advance. I was so happy. And I was just wondering, you know, with all the bills to pay, she still had time to get me a Game Boy Advance. And it just goes to show that, you know, if you work hard and if you've got a role model like my mum, because I always say, and I'm not just saying this because you're on a podcast, women are so strong. Like, they are the backbones of the home. And it's my mum I see as a role model because I know how much she's worked. I know how she's, you know, sacrificed to place me in the position that I am now and I feel to repay her back I need to you know stand up on my own two feet not just give back to my mum but give back to other people as well because I feel like if you're in a fortunate position to do so do it because not for any financial gain but you will reap the benefits later on in life whether you know it or not but you will so that's the reason why I feel being a leader just comes natural to me and I'm more than happy to do it. I love that attitude. I really, really, really love it. I'm so happy to hear that because, you know, you you are only, you know, two plus years qualified and your perspective on life and pharmacy and your career is, is great, Martin. I'm loving this. This is really inspiring for young people. And it's good that you've kind of gone through possibly some tough experiences to, and you've come out of it you know, a better person and you want to do things and help other people and better yourself. 
Exactly. Which is great. It's great to see that. And and obviously, you know, you're you're finding your passions within the within the pharmacy career. Mm-hmm. And you're you're so early into your career and you have so many options to kind of dive into. Um, so I'm, I'll be happy to see where you progress in the next kind of couple of years. But tell me a little bit more about what your pre-reg was like, because you did it with Lloyd's, right? I did, yes. So yeah, I did, although I worked as a counter assistant with Boots, um, I did my pre-reg, well, I did my, first of all, I did my summer placement with Lloyd's, um, which was quite good. Um, I think I did quite well in the interview to the point where, and forgive me if it sounds like I'm blowing my own trumpet, to the point where they it was a six-week summer placement. Um, I did four weeks in hospital. Well, not hospital, but the outpatients department, uh, St. Bart's Hospital. Because Lloyd's Farms have, a, as you're aware, or some, you know, a lot of people are aware, Lloyd's have outpatient departments in a few hospitals in London. And that's in London too. So because I did quite well, they said, okay, you do four weeks in the outpatients department, which was very clinical. Um, because the prescriptions there were totally different. You had a long piece of paper. You And for example, if a patient was prescribed eye drops, you would see maybe two dots, meaning take two, L, left eye, and E, and that's it. Compared to, you know, a regular FP10 form, it would say instill two drops three times a day. But in the hospitals, <laughs> <laughs> in the hospital side of things, you, you're just seeing scribbles and you have to yeah. move out. And I felt very privileged to uptake that placement because it enabled me to see what it's like working in the hospital side of things. And then after that, the remaining two weeks of the summer placement, I um, the, I went into community. And that community store is the store which I went to do my pre-reg at as well because I think they did a connection where if you do your summer placement in third year and then in fourth year, if you apply again, they will place you in the same store for pre-reg and I would say pre-reg was very very difficult for me um reason being it was striking that balance between studying and working at the same time um we're all aware you know we're working for eight or nine hours a day then you go home you're knackered but you need to study um but I felt like I can't I had a very good support system with my tutor she was fantastic she was harder than me very hard on me, but she was very good to the point where any clinical questions I had and mathematical questions, she wouldn't let me leave that seat until I understood it. And I feel that's what helped me in the exam. Um, but one thing she used to say to me is, Martin, you get it, but your method of getting these calculations are very, very weird, but you get there in the end. I just said, that's just how I work. <laughs> Um, so I enjoyed Peerage I I met some good friends I met some good leaders of the company and I think during Peerage that's what led me to be one of the students nominated for Peerage of the year Um, unfortunately I didn't come first I came second of the region of about three or four hundred Peerage students got my award which I happily placed there and um, yeah, it was just a fantastic experience. And the fact that I won the award, I met some great friends, I met some great people. It then enabled me to hit the ground running with Lloyd's to the point where as soon as I came out, um, they provided me with my own store straight away. And even having my own, running my own store straight away, I hit the ground running as well. So Nice. 
Yeah. And what what do you think kind of um, what aspect of you as a professional during that pre-reg year set you out from the crowd and getting nominated for quite a prestigious award for you know within Lloyd's? Um, I I think it's because what you know that one thing I've learned in pre-reg, and I'm sure other people would say this is your your tutor always says when I'm not here you're in charge i.e. you have to make sure everything is running whether it's in the beginning as soon as you step in checking the fridge temperature checking that the responsible pharmacist notice is up checking that the responsible pharmacist is signed in and additionally checking other little knickknacks here and there such as delivery is done um, owings are done and it's also, I would say, standing out in the open days. Well, it's not open days, but pardon, the study days. So when you go to the study days, you know, there's a big group of you, and then you have your tutor, who is a pharmacist, who probably owns their own branch, or just around. And I would say being very productive and interactive with everyone in the study day, which then enables your tutor your tutor in the study day and in your pre-reg tutor to layers and say, yeah, there's something special about this individual. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I was nominated for the award because I wasn't quiet when we were having study days, nor was I quiet in the WhatsApp group. So I was very vocal. I was very helpful. May have been a bit very controversial, not, not deliberately, but that's just how things were. But it's the fact that I was very assertive in what I do. I, you know, I would, answer some of the questions I would offer to help some of the students um, if somebody posted a a picture of a question they couldn't answer in a group chat I would endeavor to help that student answer that question so I believe one of the main reasons I was nominated for that award is because I went that extra mile and I did it both as a friend and as a leader and hence why I won that award well came second in the award Nice. That's that's an achievement. I'm happy for you. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, it's inspiring as well um, for the younger generation thinking about going out into community pharmacy and making the most of their pre-reg year. These are the kind of things they need to know about. They need to know that these sorts of, I guess, even these awards even exist. Um, do they make that really clear at the beginning of the pre-reg year that they kind of choose someone? Oh, yes. Or you can get nominated, yeah. Yes, okay. I mean, in the beginning, they, you know, it's even highlighted the, Lloyd, the Lloyd's Pharmacy website. You know, every year there mm. is a student who is nominated for pre-reg of the year. And even if you don't win it, you still go on to do bigger and better things because it's a prestigious award and mm. an award that enables you as an individual, as a pharmacist, particularly to stand out from the rest so you can see it as x factor <laughs> forgive me yeah. for you can see that even though uh people like i don't know who came second people like i think one direction came second or they didn't win it but look how massive they are jls they didn't yeah. win, but they still you know they they're massive so it just goes to show even though you don't become the best of you, you don't win first place you still benefit from it and you fly and once people see that on your CV they become impressed like oh you've got you must have won that for a reason I'm happy to agreed it's all about progress yes <clears throat> all of those small steps that you need to take to kind of get you to the next 
job, I guess, in some ways, is all those things that you do in your pre-reg will set you up for the interview that you have at the, you know, February, March time when you start applying for for real jobs in the real world. Exactly. Um, as a, as a newly qualified pharmacist, this is where you start standing out compared to other people, which is a great perspective to have. And and taking advantage of that was it was a great idea. Definitely. I assume that you you kind of knew what you were working towards or was it sort of a natural part of your personality that just set you up by chance? Um, I would say it's a mixture of both. A mix. Mm. Um, I always, I personally believe you always strive for, to be the best and strive for more. So I knew I didn't want to, and this is no disrespect to any other community pharmacist, but I knew I didn't want to stay in the community pharmacy or stay in the dispensary for 10 to 15 years straight. I felt like, let me try and further myself, further my career, and try and progress in this field I worked hard for. Because, as you stated earlier, you know, people think there's just hospital pharmacy, there's just community pharmacy, and there's just um, industry. There's so much, there's so many fields we can go into as a pharmacist, people don't even know. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, you know, like lecturing yourself, which is academia. Um, working for the Commonwealth as a pharmacist, working for the Army as a pharmacist. There are so many fields, and I feel if you enhance the skills around you, it will enable you to get into those fields and progress as an individual, both in your career and as just as a person in general. Yeah, no, I know. I can resonate well with that because I'm 10 years into my career as a pharmacist and I feel only now 10 years a whole decade (laughs) I still feel very junior because I haven't exactly figured out what I want to do and I didn't necessarily expose myself to the right people and the right environments and it's no fault actually of my own it's just not understanding where I fit in Mm. And it's taken me that long to sort of figure that out. And I'm now starting to understand what my passions are, where, what my skills really are from the experiences that I've had um, over the last few years. Like I did not think that I would be, uh, that I would enjoy a leadership position. And even when I was doing it, um, I didn't think I was really good at it. It was only when I looked back and actually listed my achievements from specific jobs I thought wow I did all of that like seriously how did that happen so I wasn't really aware of all those I mean if I was aware I would have done so much more during the time that I was within in the job you know and and understood and I feel that from my perspective I'm um sometimes I feel a little bit disappointed with myself and not understanding that mentorship would have been something I should have really looked out for mm-hmm. um i mean when i was in abu dhabi and i worked for national ambulance i was the only pharmacist so there wasn't really anyone around me who understand understood pharmacy and i didn't really have anyone to turn to except my medical director and though he took a lot of time and effort to teach me and guide me and make me an excellent leader within that position he still didn't really understand you know, a pharmacist's job or a pharmacist's career. So um, that was sometimes a little bit frustrating for me. And I couldn't really find 
like my network in Abu Dhabi for pharmacy was really, really small. There weren't that many people that I knew who were working as pharmacists because there was just no sort of, um, there was no um, kind of online, you know, bodies like here, we've got everything from kind of so many networks, you know, for, for pediatrics, you know, we've got MPPG, you know, if you're, if you're getting into, you know, even critical care, you go to UKCPA as well as millions of other websites and kind of even LinkedIn is huge in the UK for kind of building a network Mm. while in Abu Dhabi, they do use it, but not for the right reasons that I was looking for. So you couldn't really find like mind, like-minded individuals but now I'm on this podcast and I'm kind of loving pediatrics and I'm looking into kind of going into global health I mean I'm finding so many people on LinkedIn and I get so excited to kind of connect because all of this kind of virtual connection now is the way forward and I'm, I'm really enjoying it and part of it's obviously finding people to come onto the podcast and you know that sort of online interaction has been really useful for me and I'm and I'm learning from people like you you know, even on this podcast, is it's a huge reflection for me. And I find really experienced pharmacists who've got so much to offer and so much mentorship that they can provide just from regular kind of catch-ups and conversations that I'm learning all the time. And it's a complete game changer. And I wish I had had that a few years ago. So I do highly recommend at your stage and for people who are kind of quite newly qualified is that find a mentor or someone who can guide you in the passions that you enjoy, look up to people who are in leadership positions and stick to them like slugs <laughs> and learn from them because it, it it's definitely, it will really help you to kind of flourish within the career and you'll start really understanding who you are, what you want to do, where you want to go. Once you start getting into that kind of close network with people who are doing similar jobs to you, or if you want to go into a specific field of pharmacy, find people who are doing those jobs, you know, and reach out to them because people are more than willing these days to kind of even accept messages, you know. So it's it's really important that we we kind of advocate for that because I think it's really important that we kind of network. And actually, RPS, they've recently created that uh, mentorship program yeah. And people are signing up to be mentors and they're obviously getting linked with pharmacists, um, probably more than likely junior pharmacists who who need that additional kind of mentorship in the beginning of their career. So that's amazing. So, you know, if anyone out there, go and go and have a look, check it out, see what you can find. Totally. Go ahead. I recommend it as well, um, because at the end of the day, as pharmacists, we all need to stick together um, tend to yeah. every profession, every other profession. You know, they do stick together, whether they're doctors, dentists, um, veterinarists or nurses, physiotherapists, podiatrists. We all have to stick together. And just to add, we can clearly see, you know, during this COVID period, we were the ones on the main front line and it was a very, very difficult time for us. So at the fact that, you know, I believe this is when pharmacists or the pharmacy profession came together, especially during the COVID period, because... You know, I find myself seeking advice from pharmacists in neighbouring stores I've never spoken to before. Or pharmacists who are just working in different fields. So I highly recommend, you know, anybody out there finding a pharmacist to mentor, to, to, to help mentor you. And as well, just learning more about the profession overall. Like anything. Yeah. 
No, I completely agree. And to be honest, there are lots of like individual networks that are happening. And but I think as a profession, you know, combining all the sectors of pharmacy, um, I think we could probably do a little bit better of a job. Oh. And we just need to work on that and kind of progress in that field because I think we don't advocate for our profession as much as we should. No. And it's yeah. But hopefully moving forward, we'll start to do Agreed. That. So, um, what was it like kind of finishing your pre-reg year and going straight into kind of a pharmacy manager role? That's quite intimidating when you just, you know, finish your pre-reg year and your first day at work is, hey, I'm the manager. you got staff to deal with, HR issues, sick leave, all the responsibility on your head. It's quite, it's, yes, I'm, I can imagine it's quite a scary experience in the first few months. And then on top of that, We've had COVID it, um, and you've had to make all those decisions on your own. Yeah, it 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 was very, very daunting. It was very, very hard. But I don't one of the key things is I don't regret doing it. Um reason being it is it has provided me with skills that you can't buy, you can't teach. And I remember my first day, you know, you have to bear in mind, I think you are the youngest one in the pharmacy. Because you tend to realise you're the crop pharmacist, newly qualified, you go in, you've got staff members who've been working in the branch for what, two, three, four, five, maybe even ten years. So you first have to deal with adults, even though we're all adults, but I would say you have to deal with individuals much older than you who are not used to change or who are not used to doing it the company's way, but are more used to doing it their way. And you tend to realise their way is the wrong way. <laughs> so when you're trying to strike that balance with them, of trying to get them to listen to you, but in a diplomatic manner, without actually barking orders at them or sounding like a dictator, it can become, or it can be very, very difficult. But walking in, I kind of I had my game plan. I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew what I had to do. Um, and I had the backing of my tutor, so I had her on the line regardless, because at that point she was a cluster manager or an area manager. So, and she had been in the pharmacy fields for quite some time. So anything I was complaining to her about or asking questions about, it was nothing new. She's, she's been there, done it, and she advised me in a correct way. But as time went on, you know, it was quite hard. It was hard in the beginning, I had to admit it was, because, you know, you have stuff who don't want to listen. But then... My key thing to get them on board as a pharmacist, as their manager, as their friend, was to make their working environment a fun one, but a serious one at the same time. And I'll elaborate on that. I personally believe if you want someone to work for you in a very productive way, we already know that I'm underpaid. I don't have enough hours to give to them. And they've maybe they they maybe have childcare issues or they have issues that's going on that's going on at home. The key thing is to make sure that when they are at work, they can forget about all the negativity at home. So what I used to do is every morning, especially when it was hot, I would get everybody drinks and I would know everybody's favourite drink off my head. Whether it's so and so who likes Volvic water, but the strawberry Volvic water, not the lemon one. Whether it's my other my technician <laughs> who <laughs> She likes 
Tropicana, but she doesn't like, she likes specific Tropicana juice, or whether it's my other staff member, which the only biscuits she likes to eat, likes to eat, sorry, are Jaffa cakes. So the key thing, and I say this for anyone who newly qualified going into a new branch, or even someone who's been qualified for donkeys of years, is know what your staff members like and treat them and reward. So for example, what I used to do, for my own money, if it's their birthday, I'm buying them lunch. Luckily, we had a McDonald's near us, I'll buy them McDonald's. Or if there was another shop near us, I'll buy them lunch. And what I used to do for each staff member was, when it's their birthday, get them a birthday cake. Because when you do that for an individual, it gives them that feel-good factor. And in a way, it motivates them to work without you needing to even tell them to work. And I just feel like rewarding hard work is the key thing. Even if it's not financial, you're doing it on an emotional level. And you're doing it on a level where you and them can connect. But then there's times where I need to be stern and say, look, guys, stop talking. There's work to do. Now, in relation to the COVID response, that was a very, very difficult, difficult time, difficult period. And I feel what I had to do as an individual is make decisions without the company, com- without waiting for the company. Because it's my branch, I'm running it, I know my branch. And I know there were certain things I had to do to ensure we survived the COVID period and me, my staff and I were not burnt out. Whether it is, you know, if the company says no more than five people can enter the branch, I would say, sorry, my branch is quite small. I can only... I'd rather have no more than three or four. And if I contact my RM, I say, this is what's going on, which is quite good. He was very good. He would say, this is your branch. You know what you need to do. Do it. Any problems, tell me, and I'll action it with head office. And it worked. So the key thing was just thinking on your feet and thinking ahead of schedule. So if something was due for Friday, I would have it done by Tuesday or Wednesday. If there was something that needed to be actioned, on a specific day, I would action it on that day, but before a certain time period. So if it needs to be actioned by 2 p.m., it's already done by 10 o'clock in the morning. So as a pharmacist, I think for me, I knew what I, just to round up, I knew what I wanted to do when I went, to the, when I when I was going into the branch and I knew the things I needed to fix because that's the key thing. Go and visit the branch, find out what needs to be done, speak to the RM, what targets are we not hitting? focus on those targets and in a way came successful nice but that's your personality shining through there from what it seems and also your experiences within working in a community pharmacy from you know your student days Mm. and and before that so you kind of understand what works and what doesn't work and what you've seen and experienced and then you're kind of putting the good things into practice now that you are a manager and you're at least it's good like you're really reflecting on what's working for you and continuing with it and hopefully you'll continue to flourish within that role and clearly you do like leadership so you know good for you yes definitely I mean mean, it's just a skill that comes natural to me and as I said before I feel my mom was a role model and she inspired me and just reading books about famous leaders across the world, which, you know, just motivated me to just do well, you know, regardless mm. of their race or 
you know, gender, you know, like I said, there are real powerful men and there are real powerful women out there. And I just feel those are the people I look up to and the people I strive to be like, because although we have our faults, you know, those certain skills and traits and attributes, I believe, you know, enable you to go far in life. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And have you thought about considering maybe some form of leadership course to enhance your skills or what are you thinking in terms of development for, for Martin? So, yes, I am actually. Um, I'm currently, or I wanted to go on to further my education. So study a master's in um, particular, well, further my study a master's in um, public health or so. Um, but then there's so many windows out there. I'm just not sure what to choose from. Um, if there are leadership courses out there, or if anyone are running leadership courses, please, I'm your man. Give me a shout. <laughs> I'll look into it. Let me know. Um, you need a mentor. Currently, I feel like I've done well in community. I've hit the ground running. I've smashed my targets. I've, you know, I've made a name for myself in the company. I just felt like now it was time for me to move on and um, start to progress uh, mm. in another field. Uh, what is it about public health that you like so much? Yes, I felt like one of the key things I like to do is, um, and it's not just because of the COVID period, it may, it's a bit ironic, but, um, and, you know, it's, we've heard this word a million times, pandemic, but I just feel like with the skills that I have and with the pharmacy background I come with, I feel like I want to be a leader in a health in a global health role. So, for example, in a certain area, if there is a, um, I wouldn't say a global pandemic, but if there is an outbreak of a certain disease, so, for example, we, we know TB is back on the rise in a specific area, I want to be those individuals who we could say, okay, look, this is the problem. How are we going to contain it? How are we going to treat it? And how are we going to look after those people in those areas? And that's something I really want to do. That's what I'm passionate about. And I feel pharmacy has given me the stepping stool to merge in that role. Because at the end of the day, if you think about it, pharmacy has a lot of transferable skills. Mm. And if we use those transferable skills, you know, the world's our oyster. We could go anywhere. True that. And it seems, I mean, that's a very specific sort of dream. You kind of, you know exactly what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's incredible in itself is that you've really understood where your passion is. Like when, when did that come about? Did you know this during university years or is it just re a recent thing? I would say definitely during university years. I remember my, my good friend of mine, he always used to say, Martin, you always talk about how after you finish pharmacy, you want to go do a master's in public health or you want to go do, because I used to talk about the school of tropical diseases. Um, being from an African background, you know, in Africa, there's so many diseases out there, whether it's malaria, cholera from drinking dirty water. Those are the things that fascinate me. And I don't want to, I don't want to do it as a scientist where I'm just trying to develop a cure. I want to do it where I want to find the reason why individuals are contracting these diseases and how we can treat them. And that's something I've always wanted to do from university or even say, well, I would say yes, from university, it increased in. So that's one of the main reasons why I'm so passionate about it. Mm. I mean, that's great. 
I mean, I'd recommend that you contact all the universities that you've looked at in terms of the public health courses and, and reach out, mm-hmm. find out more information from the administrators or the leads from the courses via email and just say that this is what I'm thinking about doing. I'm not really sure, you know, possibly what kind of role I want to go into next. I, um, you know, I really like the idea of doing an MSc in public health and this is what I like about your course. Um, please can I, you know, have a, have a conversation with you to discuss more about what you've got to offer because there are quite a few, I mean, there's loads of courses. Some of them are fully online. Some of them, obviously at the moment with COVID, a lot of them are going online for a certain amount of time and then they'll go back to face to face, but a lot of them actually are, um, fully online. Um, so it depends kind of what you're looking for and how to manage your time as well, because you, I assume that you kind of want to work while you do the MSc, or maybe you might prefer doing it full-time because you can actually do it as a full-time course instead of doing it part-time while you work. Exactly. And yeah, I've been doing, I'm going to send a couple of emails and um, contact a few lecturers, mm. contact people who are actually working in the field themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Look at look at LinkedIn because obviously you'll find lots of people who have completed the MSE in public health and link with them and find out what was useful about the course that they did, you know, what type of roles um, have are they able to kind of apply for now that they've completed that course. Um, so, yeah, it's really good to kind of open your awareness and you're doing all the right things to get into that direction. And completing an MSE will have loads of leadership involved with actually doing it and there's lots of leadership modules that come into the courses some of them have specific kind of professional development and leadership elements while others it's just kind of incorporated into you know individual modules so um, it's worthwhile looking to see if you want to combine both I had a look at the other day it's not the MSc in um, public health but UCL offer an advanced pharmacy practice MSc okay and it's part-time over two years, but it's a combination of kind of three elements. So you've got the academia side, so enhancing how you are as an educator. Mm-hmm. You've got the leadership modules, um, which guide you in the right dis- direction in terms of management and working your way up the chain. Um, and then you've also got the research element. So getting involved in in research, obviously, because you're doing an MSc anyways, but um, obviously you get all the modules to give you that grounding and it it looks really really good it's really reasonably priced you can do it over two years part-time or you can do it one year full-time and so for people who I guess want to do an MSc not really sure exactly what avenue to go down they like a bit of everything it's really good and people I know have completed it and really enjoyed it Um, but there's just so much out there I think it's quite confusing sometimes Mm -hmm. so um, even because uh, I've been looking at MSCs myself, so I've been I've been reaching out to people, and I just offer you that advice because it's actually worked quite well for me. Okay. Because some of the MSCs, which I didn't realize, is when you do your research, um, they help you to, you know, travel abroad to do your data collection if there's something specific that you want to study. So if you had a passion um, or a specific topic, like if you like tuberculosis and you want to look at data collection in a specific country. Um, you can obviously do that and they have a lot of links with kind of um, 
organizations internationally that will help you to to make those connections so you don't have to do it alone which i think is amazing you get a combination of going out maybe maybe up to eight weeks of data collection and research i mean that for me is like a dream come true just doing that but i i mean earlier you mentioned the commonwealth pharmacists association Mm -hmm. So that's a really good place as well to kind of look at global health and public health as well um, because they're doing big things and um, it's very exciting, everything that they've got to offer. So, yeah, becoming a member of that would be a good idea too. Yeah, we'll look into that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I also um, saw that you are treasurer of the UK Black Pharmacists Association. Yes, I am. Yeah, so um, how did you kind of get involved with that? Um. I, one thing I realised is, although there is, and it's not just because of the Black Lives Matter, um, which has been going on due to the sudden death of um, George Floyd, unfortunate death of George Floyd, forgive me. Um, the UK BPA have been around for a while, um, and I just felt like black pharmacists really needed a platform to come together, communicate, and in a way just help one another and strengthen each other. So I believe I joined the platform on Telegram about two years ago. Then they already had their board, their president, the treasurer, vice president, um, North of England coordinator, Irish coordinator, Scotland coordinator, and Wales coordinator. And I used to follow what they do. They were quite small when they started, and they just started evolving, 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 evolving. And then last year, I believe, no, earlier this year, I think before the covid when COVID hit, um, they ran elections um, to nominate their board members. And I said, you know what, this is something I want to do because I'm very people-oriented, um, and I do like to get involved. And this is another extracurricular activity I could do on the side just to better myself and meet new people. Mm. Oh, I completely love this, yeah. yeah. So Keep it up. Thank you. So I ran, and, you know, they... In a way, I had to do a uh, conduct a stuff with, but you have to pretty much. I had to give them the reasons why I should be voted for and picked to be on the board. Uh, I did explain my experience of working in both college and university. You know what I do, what I used to do, helping other students, and and I used to, you know, it was a similar position in, reg- in terms of treasure that I used to do in the university with the Medical School Pharmacy Students Association. So it was just a no-brainer. So I got involved. But I tend to realise I wasn't just a treasurer. I was, you know, involved with interacting with other students, getting students to sign up, um, another aspect, really. And I just felt like, yeah, it was like a calling for me. And it's something that I'm very passionate about. Because I felt like, in a way, um, not to to make the podcast a bit political, but I just felt like black pharmacists were on were cut short in a profession, and I felt like this is a way for us to uplift ourselves, move forward, and just make it an even playing field. To be honest with you, and help each other out. Help. I mean, these inequalities kind of have been evident for some time, even before sort of Black Lives Matter, but I guess not discussed as much. So clearly this association was created prior to this. And it's good. Like it's it's really good that people are becoming more aware. It's great that 
there is a network for for you to join and help other people even if you were a member and you weren't on the board it, it's good like they even provide uh, mentorship they help you with networking so there's lots of you know even um i'm assuming if people feel that they've been maybe treated unfairly at work or there's some form of inequality that they're sensing from the workplace then the UK BPA is helping to provide solutions and advice to these individuals which is which is great and it's a you know a small society um where you can be open and you're with other kind of like-minded individuals or people who are experiencing the same things as you are so i guess that's yeah i mean that's amazing exactly yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. continue with that it sounds really good it is, yeah so thank you and you know we're working with you know, the major bodies, GPHC, RPS, um, even some of the major companies, you know, who have been very, very good. Uh, you know, me working for Lloyd's Pharmacy, Lloyd's Pharmacy have been interacting with us, which is quite good. A colleague of mine who works for World Pharmacy, World Pharmacy has been interacting. So it's been very open and it's been very warming to see these major players in the game willing to work with another professional body who may not have been, who may not, who who are not as big as them, but who are planning to be as big as them going forward. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'll definitely put it on my show notes so people can kind of find the link and and reach out. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, 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 cool. So let me ask you kind of before we finish the podcast, um, what are your goals for the next sort of few years? So I know you want to look into an MSE and you're thinking about leadership and public health and transitioning to that direction. Um, what else are you considering in terms of your career and job transitions? Well, career, I, I feel like, you know, even yourself, Anisha, um, pharmacist as yourself, kind of, not kind of, are a role model. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, you've been, you've been qualified as a pharmacist for 10 years, but you've worked in so many sectors, so many fields, and so many countries. And that itself is inspiring because it just goes to show you haven't just, you know, perched yourself in one field. You've actually gone in multiple fields and grasped different skills and ideas from it. And for myself, I want to be that individual where I've had the experience of working a little bit in hospital, even though it wasn't the same. Um, I've worked, done completely well in um, community pharmacy and now I'm I have maneuvered into GP pharmacy so a general practice pharmacist nice and I feel like if I can continue working as a pharmacist but you know work having the experience in different fields that would enable me as an individual and as a pharmacist to really achieve my goals, which is become a leader of a health-related role. Whether that's working for the World Health Organization, whether that's working for the Commonwealth as a Commonwealth pharmacist, um, whether that's working for NGO, which is a non-government, well, NGO, which is a non-profit organization as a pharmacist, like the Red Cross also. And that is my plan in the next five to 10 years to complete my degree in um, public health, or it could be another degree. It doesn't have to be public health. Gain additional skills 
in leadership roles, gain additional skills in conditions, pick up a diabetes course or pick up a cardiovascular course, who knows? And then hopefully, moving forward, at the end of the five to ten years, I'm in a senior role where I can actually give back, number one, use the skills I've learnt to help people individually, because that's why we came pharmacists, but most importantly, mentor the next generation coming through. You, oh, that's so exciting. And that's the most important thing. Like, Yeah, yeah. you... I, I'm loving all these big dreams and big ideas. And it's so amazing that you've got these, you know, visions of where you want to go because that will really drive you and push you to to achieve them. What what aspect of GP practice are you looking forward to? Because I know it's obviously really new for you so, and you're barely getting through your induction at the moment. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So <laughs> currently I'm just been employed as a uh, PCN, primary care network pharmacist. Um, it is a fairly new role. Um, the one which NHS England have uh, sanctioned for us to do. Uh, one of the key, because I'm I'm interested in diabetes, because before my dad, my father passed away, he was diabetic and he didn't control his diabetes properly. And he turned to realise in the Afro-Caribbean or in the Asian community, um, diabetes is quite, it's a rife disease. Um, that's something I would like to get on top of as well. And I feel like I'm looking forward to treating and meeting patients who suffer from that condition as well as others like asthma COPD but more diabetes as well and just relate to them because nine times out of ten you tend to realize that a lot of these patients who are who are diabetic they weren't born with type one it's just the diet um you know the starchy foods the fatty foods the oily foods and you tend to realise if they can just get a grip on their diet, they wouldn't need the, the tablets or maybe even the insulin. And another aspect of it is working alongside um, major healthcare professionals, whether it's the practice nurse, whether it's the GP, um, whether it's the physiotherapists, you know, that's one of the things I'm quite excited to do because I felt like in community pharmacy I was a bit limited by that. You don't get to meet these professionals. I mean, you do get to see the GP if he, he or she walks in or you speak to them over the phone. But I feel like the whole role of the PCN is to work with a wide range of health professionals. And that's something I'm really looking forward for. Looking forward to. I beg your pardon. Yeah, diabetes is such an amazing topic if you can become an expert in that area. I mean, the path pathophysiology of the disease, there are so many drugs that you can utilize that you can become a specialist within. You know, you can really help patients from a medication perspective, but also lifestyle, which is really fun. You can get really, you know, personal with your patients because you understand their lifestyle and what they're doing what how they're exercising you know what their daily movements like where they work what they eat I mean all of that fits into diabetes so it's very holistic in approach and it's a definitely a disease which is we definitely fun to um kind of transition into if you get the opportunity mm. um so that's really exciting and obviously it's a huge topic nationally they do have a national diabetes prevention program which you get referred to with your gp or you can self-refer if your hba1c is um slightly raised and they do everything mm. from kind of nutrition advice reducing your stress better sleep 
um, how to move more, you know, making better habits for yourself so that you can take more control of your condition. And a lot of people are going from pre-diabetic, like around maybe 80, 85% of patients are pre-diabetic to back to normal HbA1c by the end of the sort of nine-month program, which is incredible. Amazing, yeah. It just goes to shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, I'll watch this space. You can let me know what happens, what you get into. Because GP practice roles and working with the primary care network will be a lot of fun. And you're going to learn like a lot of exciting skills. You're going to be networking with lots of different people. You're going to learn lots about kind of finance and guideline writing. And, yeah, there's going to be so much for you to enjoy. So enjoy every minute of that and and make the most of every opportunity, which I'm sure you will, Martin. And, um, yeah, I look forward to hearing how you get on. Sure. Honestly, and I'm more than happy to come back later on and just share my experience and even – Yeah, definitely. I'd love that. Help anyone else who's looking to make that transition into GP GP land. Yeah. Good old GP land. <laughs> so um I usually end the podcast where I kind of get you to finish um three sentences. Okay. So you ready to rock and roll? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Being a pharmacist means you're the individual at the first point of care. Um you could clearly see during the pandemic when the world went mad. The first place that everybody came to was the pharmacist, was the pharmacy. It just shows that being a pharmacist, you literally are that one person who people look up to. And I feel like that is an honour and a privilege to have, as well, especially when you serve and practice properly. Um, yeah, and I, I think as a profession, we need to advocate for that exactly. a lot more than we do at the moment. We do. Yeah. So if you had to write a letter to yourself on the day that you joined the register, what would you say? I would first say, um, welcome to the crazy world of pharmacy. And um, <laughs> I would say to most, I would say, Martin, you, you have to realize why you became a pharmacist in the first place. Um, we do have stories about, you know, uh, individuals or colleagues leaving a profession, but you didn't come in a profession to look for the fame or the glory. You came in to help people and treat people. So as I stick it out, there's going to be tough times. There's going to be good times. But just most importantly, remember why you came into the profession. Oh, and also get ready for Christmas because you always get lots of sweets, lots of drinks from patients. So that's really <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and in 10 years' time, I will be? Hopefully a leader in a health-related role. Or yeah. a what looking into so watch this space is allowing pharmacists to become partners in GP practices. Nice. Cool. Um, so thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast today. Thanks for reaching out to me. I mean, I, I learned a lot about you in this hour, and I'm I'm, I'm really happy. I've, I've had a you know this is a good end to my day really because. I've had a really nice conversation with such a motivated and passionate pharmacist. And it's nice to see the younger generation um, loving their career just as much as I do. So happy days. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be here. And I'm so glad you um, responded to my request. Um, No worries. We'll definitely keep in touch. No worries. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Pharmacist Diaries UK and on Twitter at Farm Diaries UK. That is P-H-A-R-M Diaries UK. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you can be notified when a new episode is released. Finally, please visit Apple Podcasts and leave me a review as it will help the podcast reach more people. If you have any suggestions for guests you want me to talk to or if you'd like to come on yourself, please feel free to contact me via social media or email at info at pharmacistdiaries.com.